SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Live from Las Vegas, it's Cover It with Teddy Covers. Hour number two of Cover It with Teddy Covers begins right now here on Sirius XM Channel 204, that sports grid, a radio network. I've broken down the NBA playoffs with Tony Mejia in hour number one. In hour number two, we've got Rex Byers from the Westgate Superbook here in Las Vegas going to join us in just a few minutes. And I want to talk about what happens when an odds maker goes on air. Cause I'll tell you what the the show that's the, the if you're if you're a West Coast guy, <laughs> you know the show already. It's called the Stardust Line, uh, and it was originated from the Stardust uh, sports book or racing sports book on the hotel and casino on the Las Vegas Strip, and it basically was the first sports betting show out there. It's certainly the first one that I was familiar with. Lee Pete used to be the host of that before he went on to host uh, national radio shows and the like. And every day on the Stardust line, they'd, uh, they'd go, uh, they have it early in the morning, and then on the weekends, they would go at nights. Uh, the show that I was a part of for uh, several years. But when I first moved to Vegas, that was the first show I started to listen to. Because it was, that was the, <laughs> uh, that was the show, A, with the hosts I trusted, B, with the sports book that I trusted, and C, it was a good show. It was that and Larry Grossman, you can bet on it, were the two big uh, you know, Stardust Line and, and, and you can bet on it, were, were the shows. <laughs> that was like, you know, what you had for sports betting content on air, even in Vegas, you know, 20-something years ago. On the Stardust Line, on a daily basis, they'd have the, uh, you know, one of the odds makers come on and talk about where they were getting the action and what their opinions were on the games. And my initial thought process is, oh, my God, these guys are just blowing smoke up your butt. You know, they're not going to give you any real info. You can't trust the odds makers on air. Why would they tell you anything? And then after a period of time, listen to these guys. And as I got to be in Vegas and I was no longer a rookie and I got to know some people and I got to know some guys in the sports books and know some guys that work behind the counter, you realized, I realized that they have nothing to lose by giving you all the info that they have. All right. When the sports book director comes in and says, yeah, we've had a bunch of sharp money come in on this side. They're telling you. We got a bunch of sharp money coming on this side. They're not saying bet that side or bet the other side. They're giving you an accurate recording of what they have. Now, I'm going to ask Rex for some opinions. And Rex might give me some personal opinions about teams that he likes or bets that he likes or doesn't like. That's perfectly normal. But when I'm asking him for behind-the-counter info, how do you make line? Talk about the process. And we will be talking about the process of making Lines for all 18 weeks, every game of the NFL season. Bettable lines available right now uh, at the Westgate Superbook. So we're going to talk about the process. How do they do it? Why do they do it? But most importantly for you, the listener, the info we're going to get from Rex, all right, it's legit behind-the-counter info. This guy's worked uh, as a uh, race and sports book director for, what, a couple of decades now. The guy knows what he's talking about. But he's not in a situation where he has to make stuff up. We're a sports book director. And again, 
he's uh, one of the things I remember thinking as a young amateur in this business was, well, if they're telling us uh, if, if, if he's giving us an opinion on this, then they must really like that. That's not the way it is. One thing that you're going to find, all right, and why the sports books really aren't ever too afraid of recreational betters is that even if you come on the show and Rick says, all right, yeah, I really think the, uh, whatever, the Blazers are going to beat the Nuggets in game one. All right. Rex is saying that. He's like, we have a strong opinion as a book. We've been booking all the Denver money that we can. We're trying to attract Denver money. We think Portland's going to win. All right. Even if he gives you that info, just like that, was like, as a book, we're taking a stand. We have an opinion on the game, and this is the side we're going to be rooting for. You take that info, and the recreational better is going to take that, and they're going to parlay it with six other things. They're not going to make any money off it. <laughs> Most recreational betters. So they're not worried about giving good info because the majority of people listening aren't going to take advantage of that info. Not full advantage anyway. So one of the things we're going to do today when we talk to Rex is we're going to ask him about some of his opinions and ask if he's worried that betters are going to come in and bury his book if he gives out any opinions uh, on air. The reality is all of us out there in listener land, all of us, you know, combined, we're not moving the markets, all right? The markets get moved by syndicates who are betting six and seven figures on games that any individual better, any casual better isn't even considering those type of amounts. That's what moves the numbers on a global scale. For any given book, you're talking about limit bets, oftentimes multiple limit bets. And again, your casual bettors aren't coming in and betting the limits very often. The books don't worry about recreational bettors. They really don't. Recreational bettors have a big week, a big couple of weeks. They're likely to give it back over the next couple of weeks, whether it's parlays, whether it's too many favorites, whatever the problem is. The bottom line is most recreational bettors, even when they get a score, they don't keep that score. It's a very different process from booking to pros because when the pros get some money, they tend to keep it in their pocket and only bet it back when it comes to positive expectation wagers. So... There you have it. Rex Byers from the Westgate Superbook making his debut appearance on Cover It. He's coming up next. Day two. Cover it. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. Cover it with Teddy Covers here on Sirius XM Channel 204, the Sports Grid, our radio network. I'm excited about our next guest making his Cover It debut. That's Rex Byers, at Rex underscore Byers, B-E-Y-E-R-S on Twitter. Uh, and I always like the underscore guys because I'm Teddy underscore Covers, so Rex underscore Byers. Uh, of course, uh, he works at the Westgate Superbook at Westgate Vegas at Superbook Sports. Uh, on Twitter, and we're talking about a guy who legitimately has spent a good portion of his life 
making lines and working behind the counter. So I'm excited to bring him in. Rex, welcome to the program today. And I have to say before we start, I personally think Rex is the single coolest first name out there. When I was a kid and you would play pretend, I would always be Rex somebody. Um, welcome to the show. Thanks, Teddy. Appreciate it. Rex Chabon's my guy. That's uh, that's where that's come from. It's it's not actually my real first name, but I've I've gone by Rex since I was a kid. I was actually when I went to school at Ball State, there were seven Chads in my dorm, which is my real first name, and there were forty two people. So I think they put all the Chads together on one floor, and everybody had to go by a nickname. And so I just said, "Well, I was Rex Chabon for all my high school years and middle school years." So let's let's use that. So it's kind of stuck uh, the last uh, twenty five or so. So you played hoops growing up, then obviously if you're uh, taking Rex Chapman. Uh, named Rex, of course, the former Kentucky Wildcat who went on to have an okay NBA. I don't know if he had an sure. NBA career. Uh, Father was actually my high school coach in Indiana. So, yeah, it was kind of cool. I had a decent, like I said, a, I would say a fun career. Not a good one. I grew a bunch when I was when I was old. So when I went to Ball State, I actually tried to walk on my last couple of years. And they, they told me to walk off, but it wasn't until the last day of my senior year. I actually thought I had a shot. So I could play a little bit. Well, that makes one of us. I was a terrible <laughs> basketball player. I remain a terrible basketball player, but it was the only sport I ever... That's not true. I love to play them all, but uh, I played more basketball than anything, but it didn't make me any better uh, at doing it. So I want to talk... I start off the bat and uh, talk about who you are. Your superhero origin story, I like to call it. You oh. went to Ball State. You're an Indiana kid, and then you got a journalism degree, and you moved down to Costa Rica. How'd you get into bookmaking? Is it, was it in your family? Do you have a family background? Did you bet growing up? Or was it just no. one of these random career decisions that comes after you graduate college? You're like, what the heck am I going to do now? Uh, you ended up uh, moving to CR. So uh, yeah. talk a little bit about the process of you becoming a bookmaker. Yeah, I would say a combination of things led to it. Obviously, with being my dad actually was a teacher, my high school basketball coach, and was in the industry of, of teaching. And so I thought, well, I, I could have done that, but I really couldn't deal with the kids, and it never got any better <laughs> when I went to when I went to college. I, I was like, well, I can't get into education, so let's try journalism because I wanted to be involved with sports as much as possible, whatever I could do to be, you know, active. And, and I wasn't going to be a coach, and I wasn't going to be a player or anything. So I was okay. Well, let's cover the games, and I and I was good at that, successful at that, but there wasn't a whole lot of money in that. And I had started betting. You know, going to Churchill Downs was 20 minutes from my mom and dad's house. We lived in southern Indiana. So I started going to the track when I was 12, 13. And, you know, right around that time, they started putting in those little self-bet kiosks. And so I had been really, you know, looking around to make sure no one's around. We're sitting in the far bowels of Churchill Downs up at the top of the, top of the stretch, you know, third floor. With, you know, there might be eight people there on a Thursday. So, uh, you know, I kind of got into it that way. And, you know, the horses are always, you know, you'll hear a lot of people from my neck of the woods say horses are what got them in. And that was the same thing for me. But, you know, we always had, you know, the, the people kind of knew what the line was and everything. Jeff Sagarin has made computer ratings for a long time. Well, he's out of Bloomington. And he had high school power ratings for Indiana teams. So even though, you know, like when we were in high school, we knew what the line was of our games, just based on what the bookies would use if they wanted to get creative with it. Nothing obviously happened. You know, we were all – they kept it away from us pretty good when we were in school. But me, it, once you got out, once you're in college or got out, you know, pretty much had an idea what the line was supposed to be. And, you know, and I even have friends that were coaches, you know, some of them still do that, that know what their lines are every week that they play. And they'll, they'll, they'll tell friends, like, we're going to get the money or we won't. So the game has always been around. You know, it's, it's just something that I, I was more interested in. After I got a couple of DUIs, I, I'm not a very good driver to begin with, and it didn't get any better when I drank. So uh, <laughs> that sort of started the booking part of the career because I was – Actually, uh, you know, when I, when I was out of sports writing, I was kind of looking around for what I was going to do next, and I was 
doing a lot of posting and small betting at like covers and got on at covers as like a line guy, whatever lines manager, one of those guys that moderated the, the chats. And one of the guys that was, was in there looking around, he had his own website and he was in Hawaii and called me up and I worked with him for a little while. And he moved to Costa Rica out of the blue and I was left me by him by myself for two months at his condo in Hawaii, which is not the worst thing ever. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he called and says, by the way, I'm in Costa Rica. I was like, are you ever coming back? He's like, no, no, but you're coming with me. You're going to have a container. We'll see you there in three weeks. So I got there in May of 04 and uh, was there for 13 years. So I, from that part, I worked with him for a little bit, but then got involved with some people a little higher up the food chain and was very fortunate to sit in some offices with a lot of people that knew what they were doing. And that's sort of how I got into the numbers and bookmaking part of part of the business. And, you know, like I said, I'm, I was very fortunate to be there at the right time and, and learn a lot of stuff from a lot of people who, you know, are legends in this business, to be quite honest. I mean, right place, right time goes a long way towards success in any career. But... You decided to leave Costa Rica and move to Las Vegas. You got a job at the Westgate Superbook. How did that come about? Well, the, the, the beating Costa Rica four years ago was a done deal. Once I had known that they were going to probably run PASPA through at some point, I knew it was important to get some experience somewhere, you know, back in the States before I was going to, you know, obviously climb the ladder. So, you know, I spent a year here doing some consulting for a guy down there still and, you know, getting my feet wet, meeting as many people in Vegas as I could, making numbers for that guy, doing a little betting myself, and then, Started at Sport Radar uh, at the uh, start of 2019 after talking briefly with uh, a few other people in town about getting jobs, you know, and I hadn't had a license yet in Nevada. So, you know, it was one of those, once once I, I was with Sport Radar for a while, I went to Europe to train and came back and it wasn't in risk. It was more of like uh, to be a liaison between the bookmakers that they have and the traders in London. Uh, and it wasn't anything that fit my, what, what I wanted to do. It made the money was good, but it wasn't something that I wanted, but I'll never trade the experience for anything. The fact that you get to go to Europe and the fact that you get to meet a lot of people and, and I got to see the, their influence and the way that they think about Americans and, and it's the attitude was shocking and appalling, but yet I'm seeing it every day here. Um, but, you know, it, it, we have, as we get new states and new, new providers and everybody that has that sort of mindset, it's kind of like I can't believe that they really think that we all think this way. But uh, anyway, so I started, started at the South Point a, little, a couple years ago. I was there for a cup of coffee. Um, and then went to work at Caesars uh, to help Jeff Davis out after he, he had lost a couple of his people to Circa. And then I knew that it was just going to be a short-term thing, but I wanted to learn as much as I could. I think Jeff's one of the smartest guys in the state and one of the smartest guys I've ever worked with and to, to this day a good friend. And uh, like I said, I started here once uh, once that once the purge became official and William Hill took over Caesars. I was not going to stick around there, so ended up uh, landing on my feet here with a lot of good people. And like I said, I'm very lucky once again to learn from uh, some of the sharpest, sharpest minds in the world. You just sit next to Jeff Sherman and Ed Sammons every day, and our group in the back has been uh, has been great. That's been doing that since last September. And and the, I mean the core group at the start uh, that Stardust at the Westgate has been there uh, forever. You know, you talk about Jay Cornegay and Ed Sammons and the like. Uh, you know, guys that have been there basically since the Westgate Superbook became uh, the Westgate Superbook. Mm-hmm. Um, after they, you know, I guess uh, Jay worked at the Imperial Palace back in the day. Right. But I want to ask you about the difference between booking at the Westgate versus booking in the global marketplace. We got about a minute, and a little over a minute before the break. Tell me what the U.S. market is like compared to the global marketplace. Question I can't even come close to answering in a minute, but I'll give you one antidote that would probably work. When we were working on Super Bowl props, um, it was obviously the Jay and Ed and Randy and I spent several hours on it over two days. And when we were done, Ed looked at me and was over and said, thanks a lot. He goes, it's, it's great to have a new 
in a different point of view. I said a lot of us, you know, we see, we sit next to each other all the time and we have the same ideas and thoughts and it's good to have somebody come in with maybe a little bit different perspective every once in a while. And I, I said, the pleasure is mine. It's a great to sit here and work with you guys, pick your minds because every day that I sit, sit here, it's a chance for me to learn something more from people that I really respect. Um, I would say that offshore stuff, I've had the experience of working with some per head places and some credit places and some post up places all, obviously everything here is post up in Vegas and most of the stuff down there is sharper, but there's more of everything because you've got all the states, you've got other countries involved. I've booked people from everywhere. So, you know, you're going to get more of a variety uh, down there. Whereas here, you know, you're going to get, obviously, I know a lot of people were saying the Knights are going to get killed. Where well, they're going to kill the Knights when they're in the Cup that first year. Well, of course they were because it was only in Vegas. And, you know, if you were booking in New Jersey, you weren't going to be worried about people betting you the, the Golden Knights to win the Stanley Cup until the price was so low, it wouldn't have mattered. So those are the biggest differences. And I can go into that, you know, some other time or maybe even later when we talk about the NFL briefly sure. later on to discuss some of that stuff. Yeah, we're going to talk about the process for putting up the lines and totals for all 18 weeks of the NFL season. And we're going to talk about the early line movers for that as well. More with Rex Byers coming up after the break. Covering continues. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We're talking with Rex Byers from the Westgate Superbook here in Las Vegas. And I love having odds makers on because they're going to tell us what really goes on behind the counter. And I know people are worried, oh, the odds makers won't tell us the truth. Oh, they're going to make up stories. There's no reason for them to make up stories. Look at the tweet. This is a tweet that Rex Byers, again, at uh, Rex underscore Byers, B-E-Y-E-R-S, uh, on Twitter. This is a tweet he sent out earlier in the week. This week, said some of the steam today on the favorites in all sports is absolutely astonishing to me. If I didn't know any better, I'd say someone who knows nothing and has a lot of money just blanket betting teams like the Bruins, as Padres, Braves, Mariners, Grizzlies, and Lakers. Crazy. Talk to me about that tweet, Rex. When you're saying someone who knows nothing and has a lot of money <laughs> and they're blanket betting all the favorites, does that happen a lot? What is that about? I don't think there was anything to that other than the fact that it just it came out that way. I mean, at the time that it happened, now I could sit there and break it down and say, okay, well, the Mariners got this team because they got no hit the night before, and people like to bet against the team that throws a no hitter. You know, that's a that's a big angle that both the Sharps used to do and the Suckers now do. Um, the Grizzlies playing at home, I don't know. The Lakers obviously at home. It was weird. I went back and forth with the guy offshore there that we were we were five and a half when I got here and we closed the game five and a half and I never touched it once. Sherman left and I never touched it up or down and some places went to six and we had some Laker money, but it wasn't anything of anybody I respected. And I think the biggest thing to take out of that, like from if you're gonna read anything into that tweet, obviously I wasn't at the office at the time, so this is me speculating at my house of why these games are doing what they're doing. I'm not there to see it. Otherwise obviously I wouldn't tweet. I would know more about it. I wouldn't have to just speculate. But after being here that night it's easy to see like you know, bottom line is the square money is not going to be able to to be totally ignored. It's not everything, but you can't totally ignore it if you get way, way, way out. And I guess everybody has a risk exposure point of they have to decide, okay, at some point we're going to go to six and get at least a little bit of buyback. For me, I just didn't see enough people that I respected to be on it, and I was willing to make make sure we needed the Grizzlies for a little bit 
I'm sorry, the uh, uh, the Warriors for a little bit the other night. Yeah, I, I didn't mind. I thought the right line was four there, maybe four and a half at the most. And until somebody smart told me it had to go to six, I was just going to let, let everybody lay five and a half, which is what we ended up doing. And it worked out. And when you talk about, how, like, the with guys, you're like, we're going to let them come in and bet whatever they want. Are there betters with them when they walk in the door you're worried? You know, or not worried, but you're like, all right, I'm going to, it's time to, yeah, <laughs> it's time to move some numbers. There's one number, two numbers, whatever it is. You know, are there guys that when they walk in the door, you're like, uh-oh, uh, or not really. Is it, you know, <laughs> even the professional action, you get enough of enough two-way action that you're not sweating any of these decisions or many of these decisions. Uh, well, by, by, by nature, I have my degenerate gene in me, so I sweat everything for the most part, even if it's small, whether it be my own personal thing or whether it be for the office or both. Generally speaking, I like to try to align with the office stuff. And if it's for whatever reason, so I bet on something that the office does not need, I'll never, ever root out loud against the office. Like, that's kind of a rule that I've always had, whether it be for me or for the people that work with me. Like, don't ever root against the office at the office. If you're at home, you can do whatever you want. But So I'm going to sweat, you know, I just, you know, what am I going to do? I'm not going to watch the games. I mean, there's, there's, there's no better place to be in the world than when I work this 1-9 to nine shift Pacific or, you know, 12-8 to eight or 2-10 to 10 than right here. I mean, I'm not going to be able to have a better seat. I'm sitting here right behind the book. With, with access to eight TVs right in front of me, I can put, put whatever I want to on and watch it and need it. You know, it's, 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 it's impossible to say that there's a, there's a more fun job. I, I forgot the question. Was it something about the – you are saying something about, oh, sweating on who, who comes in or, and what, how would I react to them? I, I've yeah. never sweated individual players. Obviously, we have people that we know whether they're going to win or not. I mean, we can look at their figures and have them profiled accordingly, you know, based on, you know, what they bet, how much they bet, what sporting events it is that they bet on or what, you know, uh, what markets that they're interested in the most of the time. And, you know, as long as they play by the rules for the most part, you know, we give you a fair bet. I don't know of anybody else in town that's going to give us for the you know a decent sized bet on most of the stuff. We had a guy in here crying last night that he couldn't get ten thousand on a first half Premier League soccer game, and our argument against that was you can't even bet the soccer league in the first half, the Premier League soccer first half anywhere in town for zero dollars right now. Nobody else even has it up. <laughs> like, what do you I mean? Well, how much do you possibly want? I mean, we're going to give the guy two dimes, and it's like that's a fair bet. I mean, I don't know what else you could possibly want when nobody else has even got it up. I mean, I. You know, it's 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 uh, you know, for the most part, like I said, we're going to give you a fair bet, and, and I, no, nobody really, like I said, scares you. But certainly, I have a chart of all the games, and you know, I keep track of what people bet and what numbers that that they lay or take. And you know, I could say I'd, I'd like to say I'm friendly with a few people here, and there's certainly a lot of people I've dealt with over the years down south, and and I, you know, for the most part, I'm going to have a pretty good idea of what the right sides are. And, and do the best I can when I'm booking, according to how I'm told from my bosses as well, to try to make sure we get on the right side of as many of those sides as I can. We can't always make it happen. You can't force people to bet, you know, what, what you want them to bet. And there's going to be times where we, we try to meet a side, and it's against the public side per se sometimes, and they and it loses, and the public wins. And, that you know, that's, that's the reason why we're all in business. I mean, even the very best at this don't do better than 54 55% over the long haul trying to beat minus 110. So, you know, the bottom line is the, the public's going to have their day you know, mid forties to high forty percent of the time. You know, so it's not like they can't win. I think that's a big misnomer. It's wise guys against public, and it's it's a no-win situation. I don't know. Not not really. <laughs> Six out of ten would be an incredible percentage for those in, in, in that situation trying to back that. So, you know, it's I don't think any one person or any one group of people really scare me. But obviously, you don't want to get hit multiple times on the same game at the same number. And if that happens, and you got to talk to people and say, listen, stop betting us at the same time, or you know, we're going to cut you both. It's just common sense. And from a bookmaker standpoint, I'm sure that's very, very real. Let's talk about the NFL now, because what the Westgate Superbook did this past week is something that is a better you love to see. And that's uh, putting up lines and totals for all 18 weeks. 
of the NFL season four months in advance of the first game of the season. So it proves once and for all, if you didn't know already, the NFL is king. I want you to talk about the process for putting up those numbers. Is it basically you're just taking, you know, your power rating all 32 teams and just team A, team B, home field? Are you factoring in situations? Are you factoring in depth? What goes into that process for putting up all those numbers? Well, I think you got the nail on the head for the most of it. Obviously, you're going to have numbers for each team, so it's 32 power ratings that you deal with. And I kind of have an idea of pace, you know, for each team and, uh, and a sort of a baseline total for each team and sort of average it out against the next team. And I'll deviate slightly for those, and everybody else does too with the spots. I mean, for example, I think the Chiefs at the end, we, we, we dealt them cheaper, assuming that they're going to be the favorite to get the one seed again. Now, do I think that's the right thing to do? No, but guess what? I mean, that's, that's why there's four of us sitting there and going back and forth on, on these things and, and coming up with stuff. There's, and it's not like we're going to all sit there and agree. I mean, that's, that's one of the things I was telling you about earlier when Ed appreciated my, my coming in from the outside to give a different perspective. I mean, what fun is it if Ed and Jeff sit there and say 6-42 and 42 for every game? And Randy says five and a half and forty-one and a half. I mean, I might come with an eight and forty-four. I might come with a three and a half and a, and a thirty-nine and a half or a forty-eight and a half. I mean, I'm going to be a little bit different, and and I think that holds true here. And and you know, even when I asked Ed, do you want me to come up with the numbers that I think it's going to come, or do you want me to come up with my actual number? And he said, no, come with what you think you're going to see. Now, there's little doubt in my mind. If I sat down with Ed and Jeff over the course of of a whole season, there are two of about 15 people that I know in the world that come up with better NFL numbers than me. So it's a great help for me to sit down with them knowing that their number is going to be better than mine almost every time. But I also think that I would I would book my, my numbers and pretty confidently if I had no help at all. So, you know, doing it with theirs obviously just a, it's one more thing to help me strengthen my own process. So that's sort of the process of how we got to what we were doing. And it, it, obviously it's a several-hour thing where we sit there and have to type in. And then once we come to a consensus on the price, Ed types it into the computer. And then, you know, from there, once we get them all into the machine, um, we, we tell the admin kids and the, those kids go about, you know, copying those numbers onto the sheets and then the sheets get printed out. And next thing you know, if you want to go to the counter Superbook right now, you can ask and they'll give you a big packet of all 18 weeks. We have a side and a total for, for each of the games. So when, when you talk about that, because that process fascinates me, you're talking about four guys basically sitting at a table and one guy's going to go six and 42, one guy's going to go six and 42, one guy's going to go five and a half and 41. Is the guy that comes in and says, Three and a half and 38. Do they look at him and say, what are you talking about? You know, if your numbers are off from their numbers throughout, or uh, did that, does that make you disrespected because your numbers aren't necessarily close to theirs? Or are they like, that's, we love it that's a, because it's, it's that's different. A, yeah, that's, that's a great follow-up because I didn't, I didn't get to finish how I was getting to it. And I think that you, you led me into a great answer there. Ed, Ed basically, I'm not insinuating that Ed and Jeff's numbers are always the same. That's not the case at all. I'm just making a an observation based on how much I was different because those guys have worked together for so long, they can finish each other's sentences. Whereas for me, you know, I'm still kind of the newcomer to the group and I, I'm friendly with everybody. I get along with these guys. Certainly, you know, you know, we talk all the time every day, whether we're working or whether we're in the group chat about other stuff, you know, so it's, it's an experience that I love, but yeah, I certainly have gotten a few and they, they were, they would start and Ed would come into a game where if I make one team really high, you know, for example, I, I can't make it. I, I, I want to say, I know I'm high on the giants, compared to everybody else, I know that I'm very low on Detroit. I want to say that Detroit was playing the Giants, and Ed gave his number. He's like, before anybody else talks, I got Rex's number two. And he said, like, a number that was six points higher. And I was like, you're close. <laughs> so, like, he would he was making fun of me by not making fun of me. So, instead of he said his number, and then everybody else comes in behind him. But he would get to the point after about four weeks, because we're just going a week at a time. But he figured out real quickly that I was really high on a, 
four or five, three or four teams and very low on about four or five, six teams as well. And of course, you know, the process gets, you know, muddled up a little bit because we don't know what the situation is for Green Bay quarterback. So naturally, if they're saying he's not going to play, you can't just go, well, 50% difference because it's not. He's worth like nine or 10 points to the line compared to the kids they got behind him. So if he don't play and I take eight points away from Green Bay, they go down to like one of the four or five worst teams in the league. And yet we have to book him at like somewhere in the middle because, or maybe a little higher because if he does come back, then obviously that's how good they are. So it's it's a, the process. That process is tough. Me coming in from the outside is different, but I think that I've earned my respect in the room. I'd like to think at least I work really hard and I'm pretty good at what I do. And like I say, Ed's told me a couple of times. Like I said, after the Super Bowl when we did the props, and he pulled me aside and he's like, "I really want to know. I, I pre- want you to know I appreciate your work, and it's good to have a different perspective, a different set of eyes. You know, we've all been around here for a long time, and you know, to know that somebody else from outside can come in and help out." Uh, it, it helps, and and it meant a great deal to me because that's exactly the case. I and mean, I was a little bit intimidated about at first when I came in. Who who could you'd have to be lying to say you're not if you knew the history of this place? I mean, this place has been around for a long time, and there's been a lot of people that sat in those chairs before me that knew probably has forgotten more more than I've known. So you know, to be able to sit there and have Jay and John both have confidence Rex, in me, point of game, real quick. Sure, got a break. Yep. When we come Very back, good. much more with Rex Byers. Stay tuned. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. Cover it with Teddy Covers here on Sirius XM and Channel 204, the Sports Grid, a radio network. And we got extended time with Rex Byers today at Rex underscore Byers, B-E-Y-E-R-S, uh, on Twitter. Uh, one of the odds makers at the Westgate Superbook here in Las Vegas and someone who's been doing this for quite some time. We're talking about the NFL lines and totals for all 18 weeks. And I want to ask you, in years past, you've done, you call them games of the year. You put up about, I don't know, 100 or 150 or 200 marquee matchups. The big matchups for any given weekend. And you put out lines usually up through week 16. This year, you decided to put out every line for every game. Why did you make that switch when it comes to games of the year with some of the lines versus this year? Now you're putting up all of the lines. And most importantly, or just as importantly, all of the totals for all 18 weeks of the season? Yeah, uh, that's a good question. And I was talking to John Murray about this, like I say, a little bit the other day. And, you know, it's one of those, like, I, was, I saw what you would, were going to ask. And I was like, yeah, you know what, I, it's a good question. I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty pretty, pretty sure. And it turns out that he confirmed what I thought, which was, you know, the market at this point is much more competitive. And, uh, you know, year after year, that's, that, that's not going to change. You see the offering going up all across the board in every sport. And, you know, you know the bottom, bottom line is any time you have an opportunity to stand out, in a sport where we're going to write bets and that everyone's going to talk about, we have to take that kind of chance. And, you know, bottom line is we have to trust our numbers are going to be close and they, and they are, I mean, you know, we're not, nobody's in here beating the door down to bet against any of this stuff. We have some bets here and there, but for the most part, you know, if we're not loaded up on one or two teams or against one or two teams then we've done our job and that's sort of the case, you know, we're almost a week into this and, you know, we've gotten a few hits here and there for limits and both in Colorado, which we're illegal now and here in Nevada, and, uh, you know, we're taking two dimes on the side and nickel on the total. That's a, that's a fair whack. If anyone wants to take a crack at it this far out and they get it right, you know, God bless them. We, but, but I thought 
and John agreed the best way to do it when we made the decision to throw these up. Just do, let's do them all. You know, people have all the time in the world. They can pick their games they want to bet. You know, they see something in advance and they think there's going to be a situation. No, take a couple of times, you know, and we'll, we'll, we'll see it. And then if it's somebody that we respect, we're certainly going to try to move it. And we'll certainly make notes going forward that, you know, hey, somebody we respect is on this team or somebody we respect might be against the other team. And, uh, you know, this will help us. And the good news, best news of all is that my football NFL work is now done until August. <laughs> I don't have to do one more thing in the NFL. I devoted all the way to college here pretty soon. But in the meantime, just enjoy my baseball, uh, work on the golf, the USC, the hockey, and the basketball. And let's, once we'll start to wind down, then we can enjoy some semblance of at least a little bit of a vacation. Yeah, vacation's few and far between. Uh, I, whatever side of the county you're on, you're basically talking about some point in July. You always have that day before and the day after the uh, MLB All-Star game. Three days. Congratulations. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so let me ask you, are there any teams with these NFL uh, lines for all 18 weeks? Are there any teams that have attracted betters' attention early, either on or against? And let me ask you this as a, as a, a, a corollary to that. When people come in and bet these games, are they betting honor against the same team in multiple weeks or you know they're like this team's power rating is wrong and we're just going to bet against them as many times as we can or is it more of a piecemeal approach so i guess that's, that's the a two-part question and then and I, my answer here will be shorter than the most that you get from me the rest of the time is that i i, I was disappointed in some of the right i told you already like kind of hinted at the fact that our numbers are probably decent because we're not getting a slew of bets on or against anybody the biggest surprise for me would be this we had a couple of sharp guys that came in and cherry picked a couple of games i think one guy bet on it on a team in one week and bet against the same team like two weeks later so uh, that led me to believe that there's a situation that we might have missed there somewhere but that the numbers are not weak um obviously there 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 are certain I'm going to try to knock out a couple of your questions here at the same time. There's obviously we all have our own opinions. I think mine were more different than maybe, like I say, Ed and, Ed and Jeff were more close to the vest and more close to what they think it's going to happen or they expect as of right now. Whereas I sort of did some speculating and how teams might play later on. Like for example, I think the Jacksonville quarterback will get better after a few weeks, and I made their totals higher than everybody else the second half of the season. Um, I think the, the I always call them the Clippers because LAC. <laughs> the Chargers are now going to play. I think a lot of overs. I had them higher than everybody else. A lot of their games in the fifties. Um, I like the Jets more than those guys. I like the just a little bit. I like the Giants a lot more than those guys. I had them with like right the same like basically them Dallas and Washington are all within a point of each other. I think and then he, nothing would surprise me from them three and conversely I have Philadelphia way worse than all of them and I think I had Philadelphia not favored in all but maybe one game at the most. Um, and I also like Baltimore a little more than them. Whereas the dislikes for me, Houston, I think is the worst team. Clearly, if they don't get the quarterback back, I think that uh, Detroit's bad and Philadelphia's bad. And I, rate, I rate Green Bay lower than everybody else as well. And I'm also anti-Raiders and a little bit of anti-Miami because I think their offense is trash and their quarterback's no good. So those are the sort of the, the likes and dislikes for me and the ones that I was different from the rest of the room. And it's up to Ed at that point to take my work and do what he wants to or do it, work his magic based on what everybody else was doing. So, uh, so that's an interesting list that you gave there. And for what it's worth, uh, I came on the show last week uh, and opened with why the Philadelphia Eagles season was completely ruined based on their schedule release. Uh, huh. I'm with you on being an anti-Eagles guy uh, for uh, this year. And I'm also with you on the other three teams being relatively even. Dallas doesn't have a huge edge uh, over Washington or the Giants in my early powering numbers. I want to ask you if there's any early movement worth noting when it comes to uh, divisional odds or odds to make the playoffs or odds to win the Super Bowl, any popular teams early when it comes to either recreational players or the sharp money? 
all Tampa all the time over here, and I'm getting the feeling that a lot of people elsewhere have said the same thing. My good friend Dave Mason from Philly uh, works at Bet Online. He said that they've gotten more money on Tampa than second, third, and fourth combined, and that wow. that's not the case here. But it, it's it's uh, it's certainly a lot of Tampa. I think they're still taking like plus two forty to win the NFC. Uh, if we lose that at this point, the season were to start now, we couldn't write any more bets. We know. Uh, a nice house in a medium type state, not anything on the coast or in Iowa, but uh, we we would owe a nice house on uh, if if that we were to pay that out. But we'd gladly do it. I mean, it's it's if people want to bet Tampa Bay at plus two forty to win the NFC. You just have to write those bets. I mean, it's alarming how much that they'll continue to bet that. But that's I would say movement wise, there hasn't been a whole lot. The Rams have been a popular team to win the Super Bowl, um, and our, our single worst result, believe it or not, would be the Patriots. Right as of right now, I don't know where that came from, and I didn't have time to really do a deep dive into it. I sort of saw it and chuckled and thought, well, these guys might like that. But, yeah, Patriots and Rams would be bad and Bucks. But, again, we have all the time in the world. The reason to get this up early is so we can write as many bets as possible and shape the market how we want to. And then, you know, obviously as things continue to happen and develop, we were able to, to adjust accordingly and, and, you know, continue to write business. When it comes to football contests, the Super Contest at the Westgate Superbook has been the industry leader for the better part of the last 20 years. And now, over recent years, we've seen a couple of other casinos here in Las Vegas try to make a run at the Super Contest. And last year, they were successful in doing so. Um, I want to talk about the contest for this year. Or sign up. Can people sign up for it now, or is it still too early? Yeah, basically, the Super Contest, uh, the Classic Contest, some of the rules will be the same. The, the entry fee will be the same. We're going to... Uh, the administrative fees will be gone in the classic. We're going to retool the format of that a little bit, and there will be some exciting changes. Uh, in discussing that with John, he basically said, be ready to sign up for it in June. But other than that, there's really some stuff that they're still trying to iron out. So the details are still a little bit vague, but that's kind of where we're at with the Super Contest. And I think that, you know, when you're talking about what it takes to win, uh, you know, we're two years ago when it was a normal year, and the entries were what we expect are a little bit. I think we, we'll get more this year. It was 54 and 26. And that's 68%. So, you know, if you're going to come in the money, uh, you know, you're going to have to do better than, I'm sorry, if you're going to win, you're going to have to do better than that. If you're going to come in the money, you're probably going to have to hit two out of every three. And uh, it sounds pretty easy until you actually start having to realize that you have to hit two out of every three. And then, oh, by the way, when you hit one out of every three, then you got to hit three in a row. So good luck. It's, uh, it's quite the feat. Yeah, so even to make the money, you think it's it's a it's a you're gonna be in the sixty six sixty seven percent because even in recent years where the contest has gotten so much bigger, you could still make the money if you hit six out of ten, maybe six point one out of ten over the course of the campaign. It's eighty five picks over seventeen uh-huh. weeks. Uh, add five more. You, add five more. Eighteen oh, weeks. Right, sure. right. Got ninety. Sure. Yep. <laughs> uh, that's a yep. big difference. Uh, but back it used to be like 51, 52 wins would get you in the money. Is that not good enough? So now with an extra week, we're talking 56, 57 wins. Is that going to get you in the money this year or not? not uh, probably not. Like I say, I, I two out of three. So what is it, 90? So you got to, if it, it's, what is it, 18 times five, right? So 90. Yeah, you got to find a way to win 60 games. 60. That's what, that's my opinion. I think 60 is the number. I think if you do less than that, you have you have a chance. But you you have to hope that everybody else struggles a little bit too. And I think 60, 61 gives you a chance, but it doesn't guarantee anything. I mean, you know, we saw last year in some of these contests where you got to survive. I mean, how many people want to, you know, Derek downtown had to pay $3 million out of his own pocket based on a bonus that he gave that thought was he thought that he made a contest hard enough for 
only one or two people to get. And it turned out that 35 people, I think, did it. So <laughs> obviously if it's that easy, again, the number 60 or 61 might not work. Now, obviously we're talking against the spread here, but you know, with the injury situation every year getting more murky by the day, and I mean, you got people getting hit in the face with hockey pucks and it's an upper body injury. I mean, they start doing that in the NFL. I mean, how are we supposed to put these contest lines out on Wednesday and hope that they're going to be correct on Sunday? I mean, it's an absolute guessing game, and the players do have a little bit of an edge in that aspect. Sure, that's one of the biggest edges you can have. Uh, and we talk about contest strategy is that the lines are stale. Once they're posted, they're posted. Uh, and the betters that tend to do well in these contests tend to look for the lines that don't mesh up with current realities and make sure those are at least one uh, of their five selections for that weekend. We've got just a couple of minutes left uh, here with uh, Rex Byers. And Rex, I want to give you a chance uh, to promote anything you want to promote for yourself or for uh, the Superbook uh, before I ask you a couple of final questions. Very good. Yeah, um, I guess the biggest thing is, like I said, I'm happy to be on with the football. The other thing, uh, you know, that means college, obviously. Uh, I would be remiss to say that, you know, good job by Chris Andrews and his crew at the South Point coming up with some games of the year today. I was talking to Ed about our about our and what we were going to do, and he acted like John had said in the past that we sort of look for the second week of July, give or take the All-Star break a week or two for putting up that, and that sounds good to me because I need to know when I start preparing. I, my college work has been next to nothing so far, and that's by design, and until they tell me otherwise, I wasn't going to. Last year, because of the fact that we were at Caesars and I was working well, with ESPN and they needed content once the pandemic started, we had to come up with uh, basically everything that we could in college, odds to win each conference, odds to win the whole thing, season win totals. And Jeff Davis and I really hammered that out over the course of a couple weeks at the end of March. And that's the earliest I've ever done college football work. And, you know, I had no Phil Steele. I had no other resources to help me. So I swore I'd never do that again. And if Ed lets me rest a little bit, I will this year too. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's, that's sort of that. It's basically, I guess that's it for college. Well, we can talk about that and revisit in a couple months in terms of obviously everything at the Westgate here. You know, we're, we're opening up in New Jersey next month. And that'll be fun. And we got uh, obviously a casino in Colorado. It's in the process of opening. You still bet on your mobile in Colorado. As we seek. So a lot of a lot of exciting times for the Superbook, and uh, look forward to everybody's business. Sure. So Jersey, Colorado, Nevada. Is there another state you guys are looking at uh, right now? Is that the big three moving forward? A lot more, a lot more than I'm looking at. But but it's I, I'm basically this is a need to know thing, and until John or the others tell me, I don't need to know it. So <laughs> if, I, if I were able to tell you any more, I would. But even at this point, I don't know. I know that they're in the works, but those are the three we're rolling with right now. Well, I have to say I have been a fan of the Westgate Superbook for many years, and I continue to be a fan of the Westgate Superbook, one of the books in Vegas that welcomes sharp action and lets you make a fair bet, and I appreciate that. Rex, anything you want to say before we let you go? Thank you so much for taking time Teddy, out of your day to hang out with us here on Cover It, my friend. Uh, it's all good, Teddy. Thanks a lot for the time. It was good talking to you. I look forward to it again sometime. I look forward to it as well. I hope we have you on before football season kicks off. You, you, I'll talk to you like again. Say, college, college, college stuff will be done in mid-July, so at that point, fire away. We'll be ready to rock and roll. I expect to have you on again, Rex. Thank you so much. Appreciate your time and best of luck over at the Have a good weekend, buddy. Thanks, pal. Cheers. Take care. Cover it continues after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
We're here in the home stretch of coverage with Teddy Covers here on SiriusXM Channel 204, the Sports Grid Radio Network. And I got to thank both of my guests today, man. They killed it. Tony Mejia, uh, at Mejia De Niro on Twitter, uh, talking NBA playoffs. And of course, Rex Byers at Rex underscore Byers, B-E-Y-E-R-S uh, on Twitter. Uh, from the Westgate Superbook, uh, talking about the NFL uh, games. Uh, the NFL, I, I keep want to call them games of the year. The fact that they posted 18 weeks worth of NFL action uh, this past week. And we have obviously seen some money come in. And one of the most interesting things that Rex said when he was talking about the teams that he likes and that he doesn't like in comparison to the other guys behind the counter over at the Westgate. He's like, I'm higher on the Giants than my fellow odds makers. I'm lower on the Lions. I agree with both of those sentiments. But he said something else that I'm not so sure that I agree with. He said he didn't like the Miami Dolphins because they have a crappy quarterback. uh, And I don't even remember what other. There were a couple of... uh, of slights at the Dolphins. And he was talking about how the Patriots were a big Super Bowl liability for the book. But he thought the Jets might be a little bit better than expected. And the Dolphins were going to be a little bit worse. I'm not buying that. I look at Miami. This is New England light. And we're talking about a quarterback like Tua, okay, who was without a doubt the can't-miss prospect. (laughs) You know, the tank for Tua. And then he gets what? Five games? And they're like, oh, the guy's a stiff. (laughs) <laughs> I'm not buying that. I say watch out for the Miami Dolphins in 2021. Maybe not the favorites to come out of the AFC East. That's going to be a very competitive division. But I wouldn't be shocked in the slightest if it's Miami on the top, not New England, not Buffalo. And that's an opinion I expect to make with my money in the not-too-distant future. So there you have it. Another episode in the books. We're going to do it again next week. Same bad time, same bad channel. Thank you so much for hanging out with me on a Saturday. Between now and next time, enjoy the game and good luck. Have a great weekend. Cheers. All those nights when you've got no lights, the check is in the mail. And you're